This is Stories of the Land Connect, and I'm your host, Rebecca Dallinger. We will hear from diverse people and communities of the northern and northwest Minnesota's rural landscape. This is where the prairie meets the pines, the headwaters of the Mississippi flows, where the hardwoods and the tamarack trees meet. This is a place of many rivers, lakes, and watersheds. This is home. I talked with Leslie Knoll, the station scientist at the Itasca Biological Field Station. The station is part of the University of Minnesota and is within Itasca State Park here in northern Minnesota, not too far away from Park Rapids or Bemidji. The field station started in 1909 to train forestry students and is dedicated to research and teaching how ecosystems work. There's a lot of history to the Itasca area, and it's also the headwaters of the Mississippi. Leslie and I talked in one of the science classrooms about how she intersects with water as a scientist and how living here brings connections and meanings to her life. I'm uh, Leslie Knoll. I'm the station biologist at the University of Minnesota's Itasca Biological Station. I live in Shevlin, Minnesota. I wanted to know what is your story of here, of this like northern Minnesota? It could be about water or woods or prairie or the Mississippi. What What is important to you that has created a connection with this land here? I'm pretty new to the area. So being around all these pine trees and lakes is very new for me. For me, the story is a lot in the winter and embracing that season because it's this cold that we get and the long cold and snow that doesn't melt for months and months. I think I'm learning a lot of new activities related to this northern climate in the winter, especially like snowshoeing. Even though I I work on lakes so much, that's my focus area and I appreciate them and love them both from kind of a scientific perspective, but also like the beauty perspective. I find that I take a lot of pictures of them. I also really appreciate the forest up here and in a a lot of ways in my off time that's where I'm spending more of my time on the land than actually on the water where I live we've got about 50 acres and so I spend a lot of time out in the woods with my husband and dogs just kind of enjoying nature that way it's just so different from where I grew up having this connection to nature every day at work and at home is something that's really new. Do you have some example or something that you just remember that was a memory that you just go, oh, that was so cool, that really showed me about winter? The first time I was on a frozen lake in a vehicle and the loud popping noises that you get, not the like dangerous sounds, right? (laughs) But just those (laughs) loud pops that are just natural when it's so cold. That was very like surreal that I'm in a vehicle driving across the lake <laughs> on the ice and then getting out and I was so scared with the, the pops and yeah, that really made me feel like I was in a new world. You talked about winter really being your favorite time, but why? It just stands out so much to yeah. me because things really like quiet down on a personal level and and on a work level, I guess, too. It's, it's a lot more of a time for reflection. Like, you don't 
see anybody or hardly anybody. And so you really feel more connected to nature when I'm out there by myself or with my husband and dogs than like when you're passing by a million people. I like the way things slow down. Was there something that, to why you started like doing water quality? Well, yeah, so I think something that I've been working on lately related to winter and, and this time of year from a like research perspective is looking at how changes in ice cover from uh, climate change over the, you know, say last 150 years is affecting ice cover on lakes and we're seeing shorter duration of ice cover in lakes all around the world, including in Minnesota. And so I'd been thinking about that and thinking about it from kind of an ecological perspective, like how does that affect the water quality? How does that affect the algae? And how does that affect things in the summer too? Because there's going to be carryover effects um, from the winter time. But something that I would have never, I feel like, gone to or thought of much is how those changes in ice cover affect people. Um, and so in the winter time, there's just tons of people going out ice fishing or snowshoeing on the lake or skiing, whatever it is. And so I see that every day in the the way that people utilize the lake for recreation, to get food, just to get outside and appreciate nature. And so it really got me thinking about that end of things, like how are people taking advantage of ice-covered bodies of water and how is climate change or these these vari- the variability in ice cover, how might that affect people, not just the ecology of the lake? Mm-hmm. It's, and I really don't think I would have started studying that from like an academic perspective had I not been here and seen it every day. It just, it, it's very different from being on a um, campus or in a city where you might not interact with that all the time. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's very, it's, I think it's really shaping where my research is going to go, too. Because I also think about things in the summertime as well, right? And just seeing it all the time, like all the people swimming in the headwaters, the waters down there. What's that doing to the nutrient levels or the sediment? I, I think just seeing it constantly, you think about things differently. How do you think or do you think that it went from this perspective of the frozen lake? And do you think there's things that being connected to nature can heal or make change? Uh, yeah, I think uh, nature could can heal or change in, in lots of ways. And I think it is different for different people, right? Because one thing that I haven't said yet is that my background growing up is not outdoorsy like I didn't come from parents that went camping like we were very limited in what we did outdoors as a family whereas a lot of people in my line of work grew up in those families that went to the Rockies for a vacation or did all kinds of camping trips or skiing trips or or whatever but I did not come from that at all I think that does help me appreciate that different people connect with nature in different ways and they don't necessarily have to get rugged and out in the middle of it to appreciate it or to be 
changed or healed by it in their own way. But for me personally, it's really helped help me to to be more centered in in a way or or calm in certain ways because like I I mentioned I like taking pictures of lakes a lot. Like I just find myself taking different scenery pictures with lakes are usually in the as the focus area or some sort of water perspective. One thing I did in 2018 because I kept like noticing on my phone that all all of my pictures were just of like natural things like lakes. I decided to take a picture once a day of Lake Atasca from the same spot starting January and going all the way to the end of December. So every day that I worked, I took a picture from the same spot at the same time and made basically like this really cool time lapse. And I think for me, it helped to do that because it like forced me, but in a very using force in a very positive way to like stop, take this picture every day and appreciate, you know, what what's in front of me, what I'm looking at. I just really enjoyed it. It was almost like meditative or something. And I miss it. I didn't do it last year, and I'm not doing it this year, but I feel like I need, I should. <laughs> you could always change it. Yeah, I do I mean, want to, like, it change have, it. It doesn't have to be the same time frame. No. It could just be a week. <laughs> oh, but it was so nice every day, though. Yeah. <laughs> or you could do it, you could do it for just the rest of the season starting. Yeah. Back, you know? Yeah, well, it's still, it's going to look, it looks the same from, like, January 1st to now, basically, mm-hmm. anyways. Yeah, or a different perspective or a different time of day, because I did it at noon. It would be, when I first started, I couldn't figure out what time of day to do it. I think mm-hmm. it'd be it'd be cool to do it around, like, 5 p.m., mm-hmm. because it's sunset now. Or you just be any time during the day. Yeah, but I want to be so regimented, oh. apparently. I'm going <laughs> to... The artist is going to push that. <laughs> but no, but <laughs> like, yeah. I do miss it, though. Yeah. Or, or miss something like that mm-hmm. where it, I just feel like it's, it's really good for me. People think I'm very laid back, but I'm actually very anxious. <laughs> I hide it well. So I think that <laughs> nature helps me to be able to get some of that anxiety out. Yeah, one of my favorite things is just walking, like, taking the dogs for a walk uh, out in the woods. Yeah, I love doing that, so, yeah. Is there a message or something that you feel that you'd want to share with another, that uh, anything that you'd want to just pass forward or pay forward or about land, about connection, some of what we're talking about, you know, um, just working off of what even you're talking about with the truth of the calmness and the centering I think something I'd want to send out to folks when you're kind of thinking about nature and the woods or or water is to really find what speaks to you. Because again, I think it really is different for different people, right? What, What might spark that in you? I think too, this is getting kind of on a different level, but that we only have so many kind of more pristine or unimpacted areas in the world and and we really need to to really make an effort to keep them because from like a scientific 
perspective or just in general as as you can see visually like once you kind of damage that environment whatever it is the water or the forest it's really hard to get it back and sometimes you can't get it back and so we need to to really value what we've got and up here in northern minnesota we often take that for granted that that we have all of this that's why everybody wants to come up here <laughs> right but we still need to to keep it because it's really special and that's why yeah that's why we need to keep protecting it it's, yeah it's just very important because once it's gone it's so hard to to get it back is there anything you would tell your younger self about nature from where you are now uh, that's a good question I don't know, maybe because of how I, maybe I'd tell my younger self when I was like whatever age it would be when you'd be in Girl Scouts or something <laughs> to, to maybe do that because I really didn't get to be out in nature that much until college. Once I started working in a lab that did water research and then that kind of opened up a lot of different opportunities for me because I went into environmental science. Yeah, to, to try to get those experiences earlier, I think would have been great. And however that might be, which I think for me, from where I grew up, it would have been something like the Girl Scouts or back then I would not have been allowed to be in the Boy Scouts. But I think you can be now as a woman but or a girl. <laughs> but I would have been quite a trailblazer at that point. <laughs> Many thanks to everyone who's been part of telling their stories of the Land Connect. Thank you for the generosity of your time and the beauty of your words. Again, I am your host, Rebecca Dallinger. Special thanks to mentors and podcasters, Shirley Nordrum and Zach Page. The theme song is by Zach Page. You can find Zach's podcast seed stories on his North Circle Seed Company page. This series couldn't have been done without the generous support of the University of Minnesota's Wiseman Art Museum and the Itasca Biological Field Station, as well as the generous support of Extension's Regional Sustainable Development Partnerships, also known as RSDP. To find out more about sustainability projects in your county, go to extension.umn.edu slash regional dash partnerships. Thank you.